Welcome to Tech Connect, a podcast that will introduce you to Arizona's most innovative individuals and creative minds. Brought to you by the Arizona Technology Council and powered by Coplex. Our sponsor, Coplex, is an expert team of startup creators located in Phoenix, Arizona. Ranked top seven startup accelerator, Coplex helps non-coding industry experts start successful tech companies and get them to venture ready in as little as nine months. Hello, AZ Tech community, and welcome to the Tech Connect podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Witte, Director of Marketing and Communications at the Arizona Technology Council. And we are joined today by Neil Mehta, co-owner of EpiFinder a local medtech startup that has developed a software application helping doctors diagnose epilepsy quickly and with more confidence. Currently serving as the company's vice president and chief operating officer, Neil manages an 18-member team and is responsible for global business strategy and ongoing product development. Neil is heavily active in both Arizona's startup and medical technology communities frequently speaking at industry and entrepreneurial events and conferences. Welcome, Neil. Thanks for being on the Tech Connect podcast today. Thank you for having me, Lauren. Uh, I'm excited uh, for this episode. So according to your website, one in 26 people will be diagnosed with epilepsy. Let's talk about that for a minute. Where does your passion for helping patients suffering from this disorder come from? I was a graduate student at Arizona State University pursuing my major in biomedical informatics. And at that time, I was working with my colleagues and uh, other fellow uh, students from across the university. And what I found that at the end of the program or at the end of the education, they would go and like take jobs with Amazon, Google, PayPal, Facebook. And I saw a massive disconnect. I just felt that, you know, as a part of being educated in this field, we need to give back and we need to be in the same discipline as to where we started our education with. And so that's where my passion for helping patients came from, because what I read in one of the classes was that it takes about 17 years for any academic discoveries or scientific research to come out in the marketplace. And only 14%, one for 14% of it only actually gets commercialized and it's available for people to use, be it in the form of medication, treatment, uh, diagnostics, and so on and so forth. So when I came across a condition such as epilepsy and find out that one in 26 people gets diagnosed with epilepsy at any given point in their lifetime, I saw that this is such a massive problem. And then that's what led us to this ongoing journey. Very cool. I love that you took the initiative to create an opportunity for you to be in the industry that you were educated in. And let's talk a little bit about why early detection of epilepsy is so important. What problems were you seeing that inspired you and your team to create a solution? Early identification of epilepsy is very important. You know, unlike other conditions, uh, 40% of the patients who have epilepsy goes undiagnosed or misdiagnosed. And that costs the U.S. healthcare system about $15.5 billion each year. 
Epilepsy is one of the difficult to diagnose condition and it is very challenging for a day-to-day primary care physician or a medical specialist to identify a correct type of epilepsy. And the reason is that there are 62 different types. And that's the reason why a patient goes on in the healthcare system for about 7 to 10 years before they get the right medication, the right treatment by the right doctor at the right time. And that is very challenging. This resulted into an inspiration which came about when I teamed up with my business partner, Robert Yao, to build a solution which can address this pain point in the healthcare community. And our goal was very simple, is to improve patient outcomes, reduce healthcare costs, and empower doctor-to-patient interactions. All right, let's talk about your your new role. You recently took on a vice president and chief operating officer at EpiFinder. Can you start by sharing some details about the platform itself and the user interface? When we started, uh, I was a co-founder and a chief strategy officer. But as uh, we started evolving and growing our team, I realized that I'm doing a lot of my projects uh, where it was more about organizing, recruiting, hiring, and also laying a product roadmap. So that ties into what an operations officer do on a day-to-day basis. The more and more we are growing, uh, the more uh, kind of structure we have to put into the place as we are getting ready for our next investment round. So coming back to the platform and the user interface, from day one, we wanted something which was very mobile. Mm -hmm. And so we teamed up with doctors uh, at the local hospitals, especially at Phoenix Children's Hospital and Mayo Clinic. And those leading epileptologists who sees epilepsy patients and they are the subject matter expert told us, you know, wish that there was an app which they can use while they are seeing patients in the examination room. And of course, it should do X, Y, Z, A, B, C, and then the list just kept going. And we were like, okay, uh, we may be able to do this. And uh, we really got a clear requirements of what was the challenge, the pain point for the doctors in the community. And then we started conducting a lot of different uh, clinical and research interviews with other uh, fellow uh, physicians and uh, industry leaders in the community. And we found out that, yes, uh, there's challenges like curriculum, everyone is having that same problem. And so uh, we formed a team uh, to build a mobile platform, which was easy to use. And it was available at the fingertip for the doctors. And that's how the journey of Epifunders started back in 2015. Oh, wonderful. So can you give me a better idea? So if you're sitting doctor to patient, what does that interaction look like? Yeah. So we have uh, two apps in a sense that two version of our app, one for the patient and one for the doctor. So a doctor will open up their phone. It's a diagnostic tool so that they can see what, what's going on with the patient. And the way it works is basically a patient will fill out everything what is going on with them before they meet or see their doctor, maybe in the comfort of their own home or while waiting 
you know, for the doctor in the uh, waiting room in a clinic or a hospital. And so by the time a patient goes and see the doctor, now the patient feels comfortable, at ease. They are not anxious and nervous that they have to spill all the beans of what happened with them over the past three to four months in those five minutes. You know, it's very challenging and it's crazy when it comes to that because doctor doesn't have any time during the day to even sit down and listen to the patient. And that's the most common complaint that the patient says, my doctor doesn't listen to me. And then the doctor will say, yes, I want to listen to the patient, but the system is so complex. And there are so many patients that I have to see every day that literally like I'm running around each of my patient every single moment of the day. So we wanted to empower patients to share the journey of what's going on with them on a frequent or a periodic basis to their doctor before they go and see them physically in the hospital. And this enables the doctor on the doctor-facing side of the application to really understand what is going on with the patient when it comes to epilepsy episodes or an event. And so by the time a patient sees the doctor, the doctor knows everything about the patient. And so now they can have something what we call human-to-human interaction rather than a doctor just opening the tablet or the laptop and started to type down everything because everything has been typed by the patient before, reviewed by the medical staff before the patient is seen by the doctor. At the end of the day, doctor has all the power to edit, delete, modify, or make any changes to that information which is being um, self-written by the patient um, before they make the final diagnosis on that patient. And also on the top of it, what we enable the doctors to do is once they review the information filled out by the patient, they can submit it and we map that patient symptomatic information to our algorithms which are proven at Mayo Clinic so that we can kind of help identify the particular type of epilepsy to that doctor for that individual patient in that examination room. So we are focused on providing personalized care and a personalized diagnosis for that patient. That's great. It's, and it helps the patient feel like they're taking control of their, of their disorder, I'm sure. So let's talk a little bit about EpiFinder's growth and, and your strategy moving forward. Last year, we conducted our very first clinical study at Mayo Clinic here in Phoenix, Arizona, where the objective was, you know, to prove the efficacy and the effectiveness of our diagnostic tool uh, at the point of care for the doctors. You know, as a founder and as a business owner of the company, I can go about and say, hey, you know, my product is great. It works the best, but unless proven by a third party and in an actual clinical setting, I cannot make Mm -hmm. those statements. So rather than just us saying or boasting about us or our product, we wanted a real unbiased, thorough, peer-reviewed you know, outcome. So we conducted that study where uh, the patient gave a consent and a doctor reviewed what was going on with the patient through our app and without our app. And the results were compared after that. And what it came out to be that with EpiFinder use of the support tool, the patients were 
clearly identified 86.8% of the time, nearly 87% of the time. So the current rate of correct diagnosis is about 60, 60%. And through our tool, it, it is now 87%. Wow. So what it clearly indicates that using EpiFinder, about 27% of the patient population can get correct diagnosis during their first visit at the physician's or at the doctor's office, wow. which is mm-hmm. massive. Because 65 million people worldwide have epilepsy, 65 million people worldwide, and 3.4 million people in U.S. alone have epilepsy. So think about it. And about 200,000 new cases are being reported each year by CDC. So that's where we come into the play. We want to provide a very easy mobile application for healthcare professional, which they can use it at their own pace and at their own convenience to effectively triage patients, whether they have Mm -hmm. epilepsy or not. And if they have epilepsy, what type of epilepsy that patient has. In addition to that, we are starting two additional clinical studies. Very exciting. How is EpiFinder working to build relationships with hospitals, service care providers, doctors, et cetera, to, to ensure your product is implemented? That's a great question. I would say it's a long journey. You know, what we focus on is helping them to solve their pain points. Uh, In this age, you believe that we have the latest and the best. But despite that, uh, if you don't uh, provide a personalized care to the patient or um, listen to the patient's journey in a clear way to understand the essence and the meaning behind the mm-hmm. the problem it is very difficult for hospitals and doctors to improve patient outcomes and with the new affordable care act and the new implementation measures which are coming out in the healthcare industry it has become very much inevitable for the doctor to focus mm-hmm. on patient's health rather than focus on fee for service that is like oh bring the patient on and on and you know then they can make money it's it's no longer like that they are focused on what the patient needs one like one negative review by the patient online affects the hospital you wouldn't even imagine you know patients have become very active they are taking ownership of their health they are listening they are doing the research before even they go and meet with their doctor so making sure that we enable hospitals and health systems and their doctors uh, to provide an effective care when it comes to mm-hmm. epilepsy for now in a most appropriate way that is our goal And when we talk about this statement, when we talk about our mission and the vision, doctors and hospitals from various cities and regions across not only just the U.S., but across the world are reaching out to us uh, to form collaborations, to form clinical studies, to form business partnership, to do research and so on. Very cool. So you're helping doctors enable a better patient experience. And have you experienced any challenges when onboarding either um, practitioners or patients? Yes, sometimes. You know, um, we are just currently Mm -hmm. in U.S. You know, um, the app is only available for the U.S.-based practices. 
uh, we are currently doing research uh, with most of the major hospitals mm-hmm. and health systems. But we do have demo guide, video tutorials, and also an online support center for doctors and for practitioners to reach out to us. In addition to that, we always listen to what our end user, the customer needs. And a lot of them said that it would be easy if they have a chat uh, that they can communicate directly with our team rather than calling our toll-free number because no one wants to give a call. I don't know why these days, (laughs) but (laughs) they want to chat while they are using the app so we integrated a chat function so that uh, yeah and so they can easily easily communicate with us and talk about us and then one of our support team member will kind of prioritize those messages and then pass on those messages whether it's for development team for research team or for the business team based on the questions asked by our uh, either the patients oh, or the wonderful. doctors. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, it's like you're really complementing the the modern trend that's going on with healthcare. I think that we're only going to see more applications like this moving forward and something that you had just said that um, patients are taking ownership of their health. And so, yeah, kudos. I think the chat function is is excellent. I can totally see, you know, wanting to communicate with someone in real time while you're using the app, maybe you're even in the waiting room. Um, very convenient for your your users definitely and so uh, we are always active and seeing where and how we can be of service let's talk a little bit about the the local med tech industry in arizona some may call you a pioneer of this industry um what are you seeing that's exciting in this space any local trends i would say that there was no medical technology aka med tech in arizona about five to seven years ago when I was just uh, a graduate student at the university, there were a few handful of companies out there who were mainly doing biomedical or uh, diagnostics aspect to that. We do have a great uh, bio focus in a sense that we uh, do have therapeutics pharmaceutical companies in the state, but the med tech industry in itself is very new and upcoming. There are a lot of entrepreneurs who are now taking a plunge uh, into this industry as there are new innovations and technologies which are coming forward to assist and enable the medical industry in some way or the other. One of the local trends which I'm very excited and I love to be a part of it is a med tech medical technology roundtable which is hosted by Arizona Tech mm-hmm. Council each month, where fellow entrepreneurs just like myself, uh, we all get together and we talk about what's going on, you know, how we can put Arizona uh, on the map. We do have like some guest, um, mm-hmm. you know, speakers uh, coming from directly from White House and from California who share their like two cents about what they uh, experience and what they are going through. And also it enables us to do more collaboration rather than compete. So it becomes very effective when it comes to that. The second trend I would say, which I'm seeing is that uh, earlier this year, as a part of Phoenix Startup Week, which is an annual uh, Mm -hmm. Startup Week event, five-day full-fledged entrepreneurship 
keynote speakers, for entrepreneurs, by entrepreneurs, for the entrepreneurs. They had a one dedicated day for medtech. And so when you see that out of five days, one day is totally dedicated to it, that clearly shows that there is a lot of demand, there is a lot of mm-hmm. energy, and then there is a lot of request made by the community to do more and more medtech activities. But nevertheless, we can always do more. And But seeing this to like major trend uh, keeps me going, and that is very awesome. exciting. Yeah, and I love how you touched on um, the collaboration versus competition factor. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we had Eric Miller on the show last month, and he spoke about the same things and how, you know, in some, in some other ecosystems, there's, you know, more hype and ego and and that it's kind of nice that there's still a lot of smart people working in the Phoenix Valley, um, but we're, we're very collaborative, willing to help, willing to provide resources, um, especially in kind of the founders network, which I think is really, which is really great. And I don't know if you know of any other factors that, that you think may have allowed the, the med tech sector to flourish here locally. Yeah, uh, you know, med tech sector, I'm a big fan of that. Uh, anything to do with uh, technology, uh, which encompasses uh, in the field of medicine, biology, or life sciences is very critical, you know, because technology enables us to move at a lightning speed uh, never seen before. And so uh, there are three major uh, support systems I've seen and experienced myself uh, in our ecosystem. One is the organization support, uh, such as from organizations like Arizona Tech Council, AZ Bio, Flynn Foundation, BioXL, and SeedSpot mainly um, providing a jump start for uh, and becoming a catalyst for people to take actions and um, bring about their ideas to life. Uh, along with that, university support is amazing. You know, mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of ASU, <laughs> yep. uh, Go Devils, but uh, along with that, uh, NAU, UFA. Uh, have been instrumental in, you know, bringing forth the innovations uh, in in Arizona itself. And then last but not the least, the funding support, because without funding, you cannot do, uh, I mean, you can do a lot of things, but in order to scale rapidly and quickly, uh, you need to have access to the investor networks such as ATI, Desert Angels here in town, Tallwave Capital, and also uh, the non-dilutive capital, such as like grant funding from ASU Foundation, Flint Foundation, BioXL. Oh. Uh, so those are amazing. So there are a lot of factors which have contributed uh, professionally for EpiFinder and also uh, to the other community members oh, in our ecosystem. And we talked about this a, a little bit ago, but um, you're very active in the Phoenix startup scene. You mentioned speaking at Startup Week. Um, you're a, a very prominent figure there. And can you share why you think it's important to be involved and what you've gained from your participation? Well, yeah, uh, I'm a big believer of uh, keeping everything local. So at EpiFinder, some of our partners or collaborators, which we have, uh, their businesses are Phoenix-based also. And the reason why it is important to be involved is so that we can stay connected and then grow the community and also bring everyone together. Because without community, there is no ecosystem. And without ecosystem, there is no business. 
right? And so how can we like foster and grow together? That is very important when it comes to uh, being a part of the community. And the way you can do it is by connecting people to each other, also doing some sort of collaboration, helping each other out. And, you know, I wouldn't say, but the word help uh, is a misnomer these days. There are a lot of people who will come and say, hey, yeah, I can help mm-hmm. you, but it will only yeah. cost you like $20,000. Whereas you can you can do the same thing by yourself or like by, by understanding the process in less than $1,000. So when you talk about the word help, you have to be very careful uh, on how you're putting yourself out there because the Phoenix community is very small. And if you really want to gain from your activities and from your participation, Uh, You have to give Mm -hmm. first before you can receive. And personally, uh, for me, what I've gained, uh, coming back to your second part of your question, uh, you know, have built a massive connections, you know, have also met you through the community. Uh, Some of the people I've met have become Mm -hmm. a part of Epi-funded team uh, over the last two or three years. And Uh, have collaborated in one way or the other with other organizations and other companies in the Valley. Also met our very first investor through the community uh, who took a leap of faith Hmm. and invested in us. And uh, I I don't know what else, you know, the list just keeps going. Yeah, but at the same time... Oh, no, I was just going to say, I don't know if you had a chance to see the Startup Genome Report. It was a local report. Um, They... Um, they gave us accolades for our local connectedness, exactly what you were talking about in terms of the startup community in particular um, and how not all ecosystems have this network of support. And, and I just have to say, I love that you're saying that you, you found an investor at a networking event. That's wonderful. To keep in the startup theme, EpiFinder recently won a tech startup of the year award. Is that right? Yeah, it was an exciting moment, you know, not just for me or my business partner, Robert, but for the team. Uh, This was for the team, uh, team's dedication, team's effort. I like to call it as a baby (laughs) face result (laughs) in the community, but but it's all about the team. They are working day in and day out uh, here at our office, and without them, uh, this wouldn't be possible. So when we were recognized, I had to like pinch myself Mm -hmm. twice. Hey, you know, is this like real? And yeah, that was it. So uh, this time we took a different approach. You know, we were called uh, to pick up our uh, trophy and the recognition certificate uh, Mm -hmm. in New York at one of the gala events uh, hosted by the organization. So Robert and I have like received a couple of recognition, mm-hmm. both personally and professionally in the past. So this time we sent out two of our team members, one from the business team and one from the research team to go to New York and represent us on our behalf. And so when when they were like live and I was like watching from the office, it was a very like yeah. like an amazing moment. Sounds like you're really fostering the spirit of your team to help them understand how much they can affect the product and the success of the business and how important that is. Maybe talk a little bit about how important that is as a startup, as a growing startup. Yeah, it is very important. You know, um, there is a big difference between a team mm-hmm. who is just working for the paycheck 
and a team who is working mm-hmm. to make a difference in people's lives. So I'll uh, take a moment and explain you that, you know, when we uh, when we reached out to the community, when we were growing a couple of years ago, we were overwhelmed with how many people wanted mm-hmm. to help in one way or the other. And now, after learning from our mistakes and from our growth and from our successes, we have created a way through which anyone who wants to become a part of the team, they go through uh, three and a half hours of uh, online assessment, which they have to take before uh, we review them and before mm-hmm. even we invite them for the interview. So during that process, you know, we we a uh, lot of people kind of filter out uh, in it. But like in that process itself, you know, some people will not fill it out. Some people will uh, fill it out, but they will be like very mm-hmm. like, you know, mm-hmm. fast or they will not go in detail. And so the people who actually come for the interview and finally the people who are selected and become a part of the team, they are not just doing it for that job position or for that internship or for that part-time job or for that contracted work. But they become a part of Epifinder because they truly believe in our vision and mission of uh, empowering 65 million people's lives globally. And during that process, whenever a person comes and become a part of the team, now there is that team, uh, you know, cohesiveness. The team is in harmony. The team loves to uh, interact, exchange, uh, communication, talent. Uh, between different projects and everyone mm-hmm. works on multiple projects at once so really i call it like a part of the business team research team mm-hmm. but at the end of the day everyone is working right. for like one cause and so having a right team with like right people is is a key otherwise um getting success or uh, even recognized as a technology startup of the year. Right. Is like yeah, absolutely. And I, I love this. Um, you're being very intentional about hiring. And, you know, I don't know if that's always the case with scaling startups. So I think that is definitely a testament to your leadership and being able to grow the type of team that you have. So kudos. Um, so how has your kind of partnership with ASU impacted your ability to grow and really attract that the talent that you need? The first and the foremost thing I would say is that we are uh, in depth uh, to ASU. Uh, we really cannot say how appreciative of the fact that uh, Arizona State University Foundation gave us $20,000 oh, like three years ago when we were starting out just because they believed in our idea and also like provided the office space uh, here in like Scottsdale. And uh, that was it, you know, that gave us the credibility and then the foundation, what we are looking for in order to grow the business. And so at that time, it was just four of us. And from there, we have grown to like 18 member team uh, and plus or minus like two or three members uh, every month or every other month. And so uh, university has, uh, we have become one of the preferred employer. So anytime university does a career fair or a career day, they invite us to speak on campus. Uh, we also get a chance to meet with like a lot of student teams. About a month and a half ago, in partnership with Arizona Tech Council, there was this uh, chief scientific officers there where all the high school and middle school kids uh, came together to learn more about different uh, employers in the valley. So 
a couple of my team members went and set up the booth and interacted. It has definitely impacted our growth and uh, the talent which we have received over the past three years and counting. We are directly in connection with um, computer science department, business school, uh, school of life sciences, biology, and so on and so forth. So uh, we get, and also we can recruit alums who graduated, who moved to California, and now they are coming back and joining our team because some people believe not only in that six figures paycheck, but they believe in how they are, how their work is impacting. At Epifender, we have no cubicles. It's all open space. There is no uh, mm-hmm. preferred seating or like a direct seating for everyone on the team. So everyone, like mm-hmm. everything is like flat as much as possible. So everyone gets uh, a chance and an opportunity to speak up or to present. It's great that you're being so intentional as a leader. I know you're very young yourself. You and Robert both are. And being very th- this intentional about building a culture at such an early stage is super important. And so let's talk a little bit about any challenges or problems that you that you see maybe in Arizona's med tech community or maybe even just the general technology community. I, I would say that, yes, we, we, we have a big challenge of that where we don't have next mm-hmm. generation innovation or uh, technology. Uh, uh, I would also say that we are not growing at a lightning speed compared to like companies out in Silicon Valley, Boston, Chicago, and Austin. Uh, this is my kind of the daily statement, the way we can improve and empower Arizona's technology community. And this is a challenge and a problem which is near and dear to my heart because uh, even professionally, EpiFinder is a part of the community. So if I'm just seeing the mm-hmm. challenge and just complaining mm-hmm. about it, there is no point. So like personally, I've taken a couple of steps to improve and to help and expedite uh, these challenges and also making sure that we can compete uh, on the national level. In addition to that, you know, in recent times, we are getting companies from Silicon Valley and so on and so forth, where they are opening the second or the third location in Arizona. But the but again, the challenge remains is that they only open their support center uh, or, you know, the back-end customer service, not their actual R&D departments, which is research and development or innovation labs. And so how can we build those here in the in the community because one of the things which we should be grateful and which which we should use uh, to the largest extent possible is Arizona State University. It's the largest public university, not just in U.S., but in the world. Do we have a capacity where each company out here in Arizona can recruit a percentage of that student population and keep the talent here? Because when you keep the mm-hmm. talent here, the talent will pay the taxes here. And, you know, it's the full circle and the cycle. And uh, that's the only way we can grow. A lot of companies out in Silicon Valley became very successful. And they kept their, you know, the investment dollars, their investment dollars and everything together. And so that way, you know, we have to make sure that we have to grow our companies our Mm -hmm. startup and everything locally and keep the cash and keep the economy locally so that way the future generations can get benefit out of it 
Um, I know we talked a little bit about um, how frequently you like to speak at different conferences and events, and we were lucky enough to have you as our keynote at our MedTech conference in March. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about some different speaking opportunities you've had, whether that one or um, I know you had one at the Cyber Med Summit as well? If you would have asked me to speak in front of people three years yeah. ago, <laughs> I would have told you, are you like crazy? <laughs> the way it all started is that when we built EpiFinder, the word started spreading out and then people mm-hmm. started inviting me to be on the panel and to give a talk on how to grow a company or how to lead or bring new innovations to life. And that that's where I saw a disconnect. A lot of my colleagues built amazing technologies while in the labs, but then they took up jobs which had nothing to do with what they did in their graduate education. And those technologies ended up being in the bookshelves out in the library or on an academic campus. And so I wanted to make that change. And so that's where we started EpiFinder to focus on epilepsy conditions for doctors and patients. And so the way it all came about is people started asking me to speak and I slowly started doing it. And then I spoke at a couple of national conferences. And earlier this year, I was very grateful to be invited uh, as my very first opportunity to be a keynote speaker at the MedTech conference. So the venue couldn't mm-hmm. be any any more perfect. And uh, so I immediately said yes. <laughs> without even like thinking, what will I be talking about? <laughs> and so that's when the journey started over the next uh, two months. Mm-hmm. I really went deep within myself and uh, like really thought about, you know, I just don't want to talk about my company. This is not a venue where people are coming to listen to me or what EpiFinder has in. This is the venue where people are coming to really understand what is going on with the medical Mm -hmm. technology industry in itself. And so my topic was to express the technology frontiers in medtech, stating that we don't Mm -hmm. like innovation. You know, innovation is everywhere, all around us. But what what the challenge is that we have an excess of human inertia. People really don't want to change, be it a patient, be it a doctor, or be it Mm -hmm. a common individual in the community unless Mm -hmm. the change comes from the top unless it is mandated from Mm -hmm. the government especially in healthcare and so understanding this as a very foundational approach what we realize is rather than going out to the doctors and telling hey you know we have built a greatest and the latest technology which will help you provide improvement in epilepsy diagnosis or epilepsy outcomes for your patients, we went back to them and said, what are the challenges you have and how can we be of a resource to you guys rather than forcing Mm -hmm. a technology uh, in their hands? And so that was a key realization when I went through this journey over the two years. And that was my topic which I wanted the attendees to get out of it. And I left them with a challenge, you know, go back to your organization. And if you think that there is a new, better way to do about it, then talk with your teams, talk to your boss, talk to your colleague and see how you can bring that to life 
and Very in practice cool. on a day-to-day basis. And one another speaking engagement you had, I believe this was at Startup Week, correct me if I'm wrong, um, when you spoke about the trends in AI, artificial intelligence in healthcare. Is that correct? And if um, can you talk a, l- a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Yeah, it was earlier this year at Phoenix Startup Week. I was invited to speak on this topic oh, wow. literally four days before the event. And so, so you didn't have enough time <laughs> to think about what you were speaking about again. I would say that the topic uh, which I presented was uh, on AI and how Epifundal is using AI in our algorithms. The way the trend is there in the AI space is that every industry is like converging with AI, including healthcare. The way uh, people have started using AI to predict outcomes, to predict this or that, or to understand the the greater challenge or the problem within that um, community or within that domain space, you can plot AI onto that and figure out what's what's going on. Mm-hmm. Again, uh, AI is not a solution for everything. At the end of the day, it's all about human intelligence over AI. And human intelligence cannot replace AI. And I love talking about this all the time because people believe that AI can automate everything. But... Yep. Not for the next 2,000 years, for sure. And so that's where how AI can be useful as like a foundational block, as one of the components to expedite Mm -hmm. or to improve or to refine the process is critical. And the trends in AI is more along the lines of um, kind of conceptualizing and individualizing that problem statement based on your field. So that was very critical. So that was my give back 